a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Really pleased to have joining us on the program today, Tom Joyce, who's a political reporter for the new Boston Post in Massachusetts. Uh, had an interesting piece. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about student loans, student debt, uh, all of those kinds of things. And uh, I was a little surprised when I saw Tom had a headline that Elizabeth Warren has a plan for this. Uh, and then we dug in a little deeper. This was definitely a think again moment way beyond the headlines. Uh, Tom, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely happy to be here. I appreciate you having me on board. All right. So uh, so Elizabeth Warren has a plan, or she had a plan, I guess, uh, in terms of a different way to actually deal with student loans. Uh, recently, we know it's just forgive it all, uh, but it sounds like 20 years ago she had a little different tune. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a bit more pragmatic of a plan. If anyone knows anything about Elizabeth Warren, she wasn't necessarily this Bernie Sanders-esque type person uh, 20, 30 years ago. She wrote a book called The Two Income Trap with her daughter, and their idea was basically a multi-year tuition freeze at the state colleges because the cost of college tuition has just gone up so much quicker than even inflation. And obviously inflation wasn't nearly as bad 20 or so years ago. But the main premise that they looked at with the cost of higher education is cutting the cost, the overhead costs at state colleges. Because, you know, one thing that they actually pointed out that I think is 100% correct is if you give these schools more money, they're just going to find more ways to spend that money. We see a lot of schools will lose tens of millions of dollars a year on athletics. You know, you get new diversity, equity, and inclusion directors, bloated administrative staffs at schools. When you just give them more money, they're not going to pass that savings, which would be at the cost of the taxpayers, onto the students. So they were looking at how can these schools be more fiscally responsible? How can they lower their costs? and try to offer something affordable to students. That's certainly not what we're seeing Warren propose these days. Yeah, and it, it's so interesting to see just how those uh, costs have risen somewhere between 160 and something as, as much as 190 percent uh, over that mm-hmm. uh, couple of decades. And uh, as you said, so many of the things are uh, just that bloat that just continues to grow. Uh, and so when you compare some of the things that Elizabeth Warren has been putting out and what President Biden has been hinting at as it relates to just sweeping forgiveness of loans. Uh, what is that going to do in terms of some of this pragmatic stuff in terms of actually changing the dynamics in terms of cost and more importantly, in terms of outcomes? You know, that's a great question. It's going to lead to less people on the right side of the aisle taking this sort of thing seriously from the people when you propose something that's honestly a bit ridiculous because this doesn't actually solve the problem of colleges charging too much money because the colleges are all taken care of, especially with these federally backed student loans. They have no incentive structure to not just keep raising their tuition over and over and over again. But it would be great if you could see level-headed people on both sides of the aisle come together and say, okay, what's the actual problem? 
And what can we do without giving a massive handout to, say, the Harvard and MIT grads that, like Elizabeth Warren, live in Cambridge, Massachusetts? Exactly. And uh, it's so interesting. Uh, the, the athletic component you raise in, uh, in your piece in the Washington Examiner is, uh, is just such a good one in terms of so many of these sports that just can't pay for themselves. But we just keep mm-hmm. doing that. And there are, there's always funds because the, the universities know that with the guaranteed loans from the government, uh, there's always going to be enough money to pay for whatever it is that they charge. That's right. And then they have hidden student fees and whatnot. And I've done some analysis of this in the past. And in some cases, this results in a charge of over $1,000 per year per student, not the athletes, just every single student at the school to fund these athletic programs. For example, the University of Hartford, a couple years back, downsized from Division One in athletics to Division Three. So they still have an athletic program, and yes, it still loses money. But even a move as small as that saves them $10 million per year. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, and so as, as we look at the, the big overhaul uh, in, that it clearly needs to, to have happen in uh, higher education, uh, how do we start that process? Because it seems to me that you sort of have the the sanctioning bodies in terms of athletics. You, you have the accrediting mm-hmm. bodies that are sort of their own cartel, uh, and then government pumping more money into it. Uh, where are the, the tipping points, so to speak, in terms of how do you start to change the dynamic of that game? That's a fantastic question. So there's many ways. One thing that President Donald Trump's administration did that I thought was fascinating was they changed the federal hiring process to value skills over degrees. I think that's certainly something that needs to be discussed, certainly in the government and also in the private sector, because there's some very competent people that don't go to college. And the best way to avoid this massive student loan debt is to sort of develop these skills elsewhere. But in terms of the education system, the higher education system, it needs to go to what the original intent of it was, to educate people, to train people essentially for a job that they can come out of school and get. But even in some of these European countries, for example, there's not there's not an NCAA, there's not athletic programs losing uh, millions of dollars per year. And they also have a process in which you can get a bachelor's degree in four years at a lot of these schools in the EU because they don't have these sort of elective classes that they force you to take that they can charge you money for that have absolutely nothing to do with the degree. I think that's so true. And I think one of the interesting things that has come out of the pandemic that I wish uh, we would hear more about and see applied more uh, is just how many of those positions on campus uh, needed to be there. Uh, Because uh, from Mm -hmm. many of the, the teachers and professors that I've spoken to, they were sort of doing it all anyway. Uh, without a lot of this, you know, oversight that they uh, that they normally end up paying for, uh, and of course that we can do at a, at a college level, you can do a, a nice mix and match of in person versus uh, online and and other approaches. You're absolutely right about that. Even something like uh, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, one of the best colleges in the world, they put a lot of their classes online for anyone in the public to watch, which if you could do that with, say, a community college class, it'd be far lower overhead costs. Because let's be honest that, you know, our local community college, whether it's in uh, Utah or Massachusetts, English 101 is still English 101, regardless of where it's, you know, who's teaching it. And sometimes I think pre-recorded lectures could be a fantastic way to save money. Yeah, fantastic. This is a crucial conversation I think we have to get to as we look at really preparing for what is ahead for the country. And to me, it's about lifelong learning and 
developing those skills because that is going to be the key with the the rate of change that we have in the in the world today. And so this is one of those rare moments where we can say Elizabeth Warren was right, and I agreed with Elizabeth Warren, uh, but it was twenty years ago. But. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thing we should be watching for, uh, Tom, as, uh, as we look forward to the education conversation? Uh, obviously, it will come up uh, more as we get to the midterms in the fall. Anything else you're watching or, or looking for on that front? So what I would say is I'm interested to see if you have younger people on the Republican side of the aisle sort of run on some of these more pragmatic solutions, because you do see especially young young people who are progressive, say the supporters of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, I went to college for a year in the uh, the Boston metro area, or actually in Boston itself, at a very liberal school. And I think if there's an alternative solution that is realistic, that can be done, because, look, we've had these same politicians screeching about canceling student loans and free public college for years and years and it's just not happening they're not even close to any of these things happening so if they're actually interested in getting anything done they're going to have to work with the other side of the aisle and republicans in many cases have talked about ways that they could run things more efficiently and if there's actual interest from the progressives on solving this problem they're going to have to work with the other side yeah, that's right. It's going to take a, a real group coming together on that one for sure. Tom Joyce is a political reporter for the New Boston Post in Massachusetts. Great piece in the Washington Examiner. Uh, Elizabeth Warren had a plan for the student debt crisis almost 20 years ago. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Great insight from Tom. We're going to continue that discussion on education as we get into next week. So many important innovations that need to take place in that space. When we come back, I'm going to tell you why I agree with 21 Democrats in the House on a path forward on meaningful gun legislation. Stay with us. More to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.